Hello and welcome to the Scotland Rugby League podcast, brought to you by McEwens. I'm your host, James Parsons, and today I'm going to be joined by Operations Director, Ollie Cruikshank, as we'll be chatting about the preparation for next year's World Cup and some of the plans for Scotland Rugby League going forward. Thank you for coming on today and how have you been keeping through all of this? Um, it's been good. It's been different. Um, obviously, used to working in an office on a Monday to Friday, nine to five, but kind of working from home, kind of you're a little bit more flexible on what when you need to get up and do work. And if it means working slightly later, that that that's that. Um, being kept busy during the day as well with with Callum, kind of keeping me on my toes. But no, all in all, it's it's been good good fun working at home and kind of it's embracing it really. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. And have you have you been managing to keep yourself fit and things like that? Uh, yeah, no, I have. Um, it's been a bit on and off at times, but yeah, no, kind of all in all, it's it's been able to get out doing a little bit of training. Um, obviously, don't know when the the season's going to start back, so kind of with the refereeing, need to uh, keep keep the fitness levels up where possible. Could you give a, a bit of um, a bit of background to your sporting history and how you sort of first got involved in rugby league um yeah so kind of growing up rugby league wasn't um one of my sports really it was kind of my main sport back back in the day was rowing um I did that until I was 18 and got a serious injury so I had to kind of put that on hold um and so I got involved in rugby league back in 2008 uh, when I was at uni at Napier um they had a rugby league team playing in bucks and quite a lot of my mates played for it um, so I went down, started watching, started helping out on game day. Um, and then that it all evolved from there, really. Um, 2009, Gus McNabb asked if I'd be interested in being the assistant team manager for the Scotland A team. Um, jumped at that opportunity. Um, got to, I think my first game involved was against France A team um, out at Curry, uh, which was different. Wasn't sure what to expect. Um, Half time of the game, the French team all got out their cigarettes and started lighting up, which made me laugh a little bit. Um, and kind of it went from there. The following year, I moved into the uh, manager's role because the uh, man- manager the previous year was moved into a coaching role. Um, at the same time, I applied to be the assistant manager for the men's senior team. Um, did a year as assistant manager there. Um, George Fairburn was the manager at the time. Then the year after that, I stepped up into the team manager role. Uh, which is a role I still hold now. Um, so it's been a kind of a long time involved and it's just been unbelievable experiences. Yeah, because you're operations director and the team manager. What do those roles sort of entail, really? Um, so, yeah, the operational operations director side of things is overseeing the day-to-day running of Scotland Rugby League, um, not the development side of things. i leave that to our development manager, James Slogie, uh, but basically supporting all the national team managers across all our programs. Um, I plan the representative programs with the staff from each team, um, liaising with other countries and that sort of thing. Uh, manage eligibility clearance for all teams um, from the 16s all the way up to the senior teams. Um, I work with the sponsors for Scotland Rugby League. Um, then the from the domestic side of things, myself and James uh, deliver the McEwen's National League and the under-16s programs. Um, obviously, uh, support yourself with the communications and media stuff. Um, and then I'm the main contact between Scotland Rugby League and International Rugby League Federation 
uh, and the RLEF. And then just to throw in a bit more, I'm the main lead for anti-doping program for Scotland Rugby League. So kind of that that's the operation director's side of things. And then on top of that, obviously, I've got the, the national team role as well. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously quite a lot and quite a lot on the plate. And how, how do you find balancing doing that and then sort of working a normal nine to five job as well? Uh, it has its challenges at times, but um, absolutely love it. Um, it's all voluntary stuff, so it's kind of you're not tied. That it has to be done right now. Um, a lot of the people we work with understand it's all done by volunteers, so we do have that good relationship with a lot of suppliers and that sort of thing. Um, but kind of mainly evenings, weekends, um, just kind of when you can get a bit of time here and there, just just keep plugging away at it, and then it's kind of doesn't ca- get too much and catch up on you, um, kind of. Little and often is kind of the, the best way of doing it, I think, kind of rather than leaving a good chunk of work to do. If you do lots over a long time or little bits over a long time, it seems to work quite well. Mm. And, and so, yes, again, you, you touched on it there, but as, as well as the sort of the operations side of things, um, what what how, what do you sort of do as, as the team manager of the senior team? Um, so you kind of in the build up to competitions and that sort of thing, kind of dealing with uh, players eligibility criteria processes, kind of getting getting their birth certificates, filling in data consent forms, that sort of thing to make sure they're eligible to represent Scotland. Um, speaking to the players before they get involved in the program to make sure they want to, they're wanting to be part of the program for the right reasons and not just wanting to get an international cap. So it's kind of we we won't just pick a player for the sake of it we want them to be buying into what what we want to do for the right reasons um so it's quite interesting to actually sit down and speak to players and get to know them before they actually get into camp um then there's also looking into new players kind of we're regularly getting emails from agents and players saying they want to represent scotland so you go and kind of find out what club they play for how, how they get on um and then i feed that into nathan graham um the head coach of the men's team um and then obviously we go from there kind of it's up to nathan and the team to pick the squad but i do a lot of the kind of preparatory work for them to see how that how they're getting on and that they they'll be a right fit for scotland Mm. um then on top of that there's the planning for for tournaments um that that can take up a a lot of time especially when you get into the world cup period yeah um and so so it's quite a lot of it almost taking the the logistical side of it off the coach's plate sort of you present almost like a list of players that could be in and then he just has to decide if they're good enough once they're there uh yeah basically yeah we've, we've got a, a spreadsheet that we've got um every single player that has played for us until they've retired um then they get moved to a, a different tab and then anyone that's approached us um and then anyone we're considering to play um that to play for us and then we kind of go through that kind of Every time someone gets in touch, they get added to that spreadsheet. It's sent to Nathan, and he he reviews it and does the coaching side of things. So, you kind of anything off field related kind of crosses a part up uh, in front of me at, at one point or another. Mm. And I mean, you touched on it, but you've been involved with Scotland rugby league for quite a long time now. Um, and what, what have been some of your your best memories of your time? Uh there's been, been a few really. Um, kind of, I think. 
the first one that jumps out is being involved in my first World Cup back in 2013. Um, just experiencing an international tournament like that was was fantastic. Um, we were based in Cumbria, uh, in Workington, um, and the, the town there just adopted us as as their their nation to support. Played two games there, um, and it was unbelievable atmosphere at Dermot Park. Um, and then we we qualified for the quarterfinals in 2013. And we played New Zealand for the first time. Um, that was down at Leeds in Headingley. Um, that, w- that was un- unbelievable. Um, then being involved in 2014 and we won the European Championships. Um, that was good. And that also qualified us for the 2016 Four Nations. Um, and I think that's possibly my best memory as it stands being involved in that tournament. Um, obviously, we opened up against Australia and Hull. We then went to Coventry and played England. Um, and then the final game, again, took us back up to Cumbria, to Derwent Park, where we um, welcomed New Zealand. And the whole night from start to finish was an unbelievable experience. We got to play against one of the best teams at the world at the time. Um, and then to claim a draw in pretty much the dying seconds of the match, um, you and Aitkins try and then Danny Bruff to have the nerves to kick that conversion to to make it 18 all um and kind of help scotland write a little bit of history because we were the first tier two nation to claim a competition point against a tier one nation um so that was something special to be involved with um and obviously we we replayed the game last week and that brought back some some big memories which was unbelievable um and to have those opportunities it's it's just fantastic. Uh, I missed out on the 2017 World Cup due to work commitments. So that was a bit gutting because that would have been a World Cup in, in Australia um, and New Zealand. But these things happen. Um, and then made up for it in 2018 because I got to go to Australia with the under-23 squad for the Commonwealth Nines Championships. Um, that was, was it 10 days all in all we were in Australia um, for that tournament. Um, the weather was interesting it didn't stop raining I think it must have been their wettest period for quite a long time on the first day of the tournament the pitch was underwater by the end of it the last match was being played and you couldn't see the try line in certain parts of it um it was it was unbelievable um and we managed to pick up the the shield in that competition which was again we repeated that what we did in 2014 um but for the players that were there um, when we took on Australia six of the players now that were in that squad are playing in the NRL. Um, so David Fafita was, was playing for Australia. Um, it was unbelievable just like the, for the players, our players to experience playing against people like, like that was, was unreal. So it's kind of, yeah, being involved has had so many highs. Um, kind of it's just, yeah, it's I absolutely love it. Yeah. And well, I hope there'll be plenty more, in the next few years as well. But I mean, I suppose my, my next sort of on the other side of, of the, the, the highs, I mean, what, what have been some of the, the challenges that you've had to come across while you've been in the roles? Um, I guess the, the main challenges are kind of obviously being volunteers. It's getting that time for everyone to sit down and plan everything as thoroughly as we, we want to. Um, obviously technology these days is great you can have meetings remotely but kind of there's there's something about being able to sit down and having have a meeting and plan things 
face to face and and do that sort of thing. Um, so that that's one challenge, just kind of get, getting the the off field stuff as done as professionally as possible um, in in the, the time you have available. Um, I'd like to think we 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 do it well um, and probably as well as countries that have have paid staff to do it. Um, but that that is definitely a challenge, I think. When you're preparing for some of those tournaments you were talking about, I mean, how how, how do you think it differs compared to again like the nations that will have full time staff, sort of you know your Australia's, your England's? Um, I think it's just having that time to have meetings with 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 the organisers of the, of the World Cup, that sort of thing. Kind of, um, there's times where as it gets closer to the tournament, you, you just have to take time off your day job to be able to have the meetings and get things done. Um, so I think that's the main difference is kind of where, how do you balance it all together? But it, it's a, it's a good challenge to have. And it's one that actually I relish. Um, and there's things in my job that I do that cross over into the rugby league that kind of gives me that bit of support that I need myself um, to, to get the logistics sort of thing done. Um, so and vice versa, the, the stuff I'm doing with Scotland enables me to be better with my day job so it's kind of yeah kind of every challenge you, you can turn it into a positive somehow yeah um and I mean, moving away from the from the national sides um how involved are you in the domestic game in sort of the clubs i mean you remember, i remember you talking about um your work with with james and sort of the the national league i mean Obviously, not it's not happening this year, but going forward, where where do you want that to grow, and how what do you want it to look like, sort of in a few years' time? Um, well, the nationally, it's kind of coming back on back together again. Um, it went through a, a stage where kind of we had didn't have that much activity going on, but last year we we had it we had a good season, solid season, um, and then the everything was in place for for this season to start. Obviously, it's all been put on hold, um, and we yeah we're running the national league and also the, the Scottish Cup. Um, and the Scottish Cups, we play that for our qualifier for the Challenge Cup. Um, so kind of all it's all up in the air at the minute. Kind of how it's what's going to happen for the twenty twenty season. Um, if there could be anything towards the tail end of the year, I don't know. Um, but we're kind of <clears throat> starting to look ahead to twenty one, um, and how that will look. Um, so yeah, we're at the minute we've got four teams um, in the national league competition uh, and Scottish Cup uh, senior teams that is. Um, so you're kind of working working with the clubs there. Um, kind of J- James deals with kind of the the development of the clubs, and then kind of I manage the competition. So the McEwen's National League, I manage that, um, and then James sits on the competitions group uh, with a few others. Um, and then so we creating the fixture lists that sort of thing um, and then I allocate the match officials to all the games um, for, for that um, and then kind of I'm also a, a match official tutor um, so making sure we've got enough referees qualified and that sort of thing um, so that's kind of where I, I, I work with within the domestic game but we've also got a wheelchair team based up in Dundee who play in the English Championship um, so I'm a wheelchair referee, so I kind of referee all their games. Um, again, do the match official tutoring for the wheelchair game. Um, so that kind of keeps me busy at weekends. Um, and then 
we hoped to have, but obviously it didn't happen this year, was going to be four under-16 teams. Uh, they'd registered interest in playing in the 2020 season. Um, so obviously that's not happened, but we'll look to get those teams back involved, hopefully next year, if not sooner. Talking there about um, Dundee playing down south, um, I know Edinburgh Eagles are sort of playing a, a little bit more down south. And I know um, one of the questions we had for Nathan on the previous podcast was about whether he, he thinks there'll be a, a, a Scottish team sort of enter the, the semi-professional leagues and sort of looking at you know, League One and Championship, I think sort of in line with what the Canadian teams have been doing. But I mean, do you think, how far off do you think that is in Scotland and how sort of feasible is it in the future? Um, it, it's definitely a long-term aim. Um, yeah, there's, there's no point kind of saying it's not kind of it's I'd love to see that I wouldn't want to put a time frame on it at the minute because um, to get the right backing behind us to do it cause if, if we're going to have a team obviously we'd, we'd want to do it properly and make sure we, we had all the structures and the location and that sort of thing behind us before before we went in because nothing worse than going in setting up a team and it just not working uh, for one reason or another um, so yeah, I think that's that's the key is making sure we've got the right personnel in place, structures in place, um, and then obviously the ability to find a team and that sort of thing. Um, but it's kind of I think the the main thing you need to to, to be successful is you you need a backer um, and sponsors um, to because obviously it's not a, a cheap thing running running a, a rugby team. Obviously, that's that's quite a long way away, but I mean. With the the domestic sides as they are at the moment, I mean, how how do you see them them growing and sort of feeding into the national side more going forward? Um, I, th- I think over the last couple of years, we've definitely seen an increase in players um, joining the, the national team in the European Championships, um, and the pathways there are, are starting to to take shape, and it, it's great to see. Um, not just from the, from the clubs, but from the under 19s, the student team um, stepping up into into the first team is great to see. Um, and I think long term, if we if we didn't have a, a team in playing in the semi professional leagues, that would only benefit us um, for, for the national teams as well, because um, it it would allow the the players that are playing for Edinburgh, Glasgow, Strathmore, Fife to then step up another level. Um, and then see what see where it takes their game. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll it'll be really exciting to see, um, and it would just give that extra step on the pathway from within the domestic game. Yeah, and, and talking of the the pathway in the domestic game, I think one of the the areas that we're trying to expand is sort of getting more under sixteens teams. Um, how have you found that sort of expansion, and how important do you think it is? to essentially sort of increase the pathway to the senior side to be as young as possible? Oh, definitely. It, it, it's what's needed. Um, obviously, last year, we relaunched the under-16 programme, um, started with two teams, um, with Strathmore and Edinburgh. And then for, for this year, we had another two teams registered interest in playing. Um, so it it's working. Um, James has got his community team into schools, um, and getting people to try the sport 
whilst in school and some of it was curricular activity some of it was extracurricular so it's kind of it was really good to to get into the schools and start developing the the players at that age and getting them to know what rugby is or rugby league is um it's not just football rugby union um so i think that was the main thing and it from there we've obviously had that interest from two new teams and i think it's just gonna increase year on year and we're gonna get more and more under 16 teams and then that'll develop they'll as if if they get involved and enjoy the sport which they will they'll then move into the into the senior teams and it can it can only benefit um the national team here um it's got oh national benefit the under 16 scotland team the under 19 team student team and all the way up to to the men's team so it's kind of it's definitely going in the right direction and it's yeah really exciting times to be involved in at all levels of the domestic game and, and the international game, I think. Yeah, and, and I mean, sort of talking about it being an exciting time, I mean, obviously it, it's um, been curtailed a bit this year, but it's the first time we've had a, a women's team. Um, I mean, can you talk a bit about how the women's team sort of came about and obviously what the what the plans going forward and you know, what, what, what are the sort of goals for that team? Yeah, definitely. Um, so you kind of we first started talking about it um, in 2019. Uh, we we were sat down um, having having one of our regular catch up meetings, uh, myself, Keith Hogg, and a, a couple of others, and um, we floated the idea of having a women's team. Um, and kind of we discussed the positives, the negatives, and the positives outweighed the negatives considerably, um, and the women's game it's just it's growing at such a pace that we we wanted to be part of this um and offer the sport of rugby league to to everybody um not just to to men's teams um so we advertised um at the tail end of 2019 for a management team um and we were shocked with the amount of applications we had um from all across the world not just from scotland or england um we had people in australia and new zealand wanting to be involved um obviously that would bring its own challenges um being the other side of the world um but it was quite exciting to see people were excited about the women's sport in scotland and the the, the potential we we have there um so kind of after we'd gone through all the applications and spoken to coaches um to see what see why they'd applied and make sure obviously a bit like the players we want the, the the management team to be be the right fit and to be doing it for the right reasons uh so we appointed andrea dobson um she just ticked all the boxes we had she had similar views of how we could develop the sport in scotland um and her record herself speaks wonder she she captain england uh she retired from playing internationally in 2017 after the world cup she was capped 24 times for England um, in the process and she still plays for Featherstone Rovers in the Women's Super League. Um, so the experience Andrea brings to the to the team is is great. Um, and just that enthusiasm. Um, and then she's assisted by Kay Rawlings, which is, again, she's just brings a lot of experience to, to, to the sport as well, uh, which is exciting. So our long-term aim is to qualify for the 2023 European Championships. This is a new competition, so it's not run before 
uh, and we want to be part of that first championships. Um, so we've set, set, set our sights there. Um, we're looking to take part in the Emerging Nations World Cup in 2021. Uh, obviously, we don't know what the calendar will look like next year as it stands based on kind of what's happening at the minute. Um, but if, if that goes ahead, we're looking to be part of that competition. Um, so that'll be summer 21. And then we'll just look to grow from there um, and then kind of see 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 where it takes us. It, hopefully long term as well, we'll have domestic team women's teams playing in Scotland as well. Um, so obviously that has to be a, a goal of ourselves, ourselves just as well. Um, and I think that's doable. Kind of we launched in January of this year, um, held our first session at Peth Mill in Edinburgh. Um, and I think everybody that turned up was based in Scotland. Um, some had played before, some hadn't. Um, so yeah, it's kind of the more this program goes on and develops, I think we, we, I wouldn't be surprised if we see women's teams starting to pop up and playing domestically as well, which will be a fantastic result. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, in those sort of early stages of it, and I mean, looking at the next couple of years in particular, I mean, are you, are you hoping more for you know, maybe players that have played union, or is it looking at northern English based players that qualify, or is it sort of or a mix of the two? Um, obviously, a, a bit like with the the other national teams, we would never rule anybody out that wants to represent Scotland for the right reasons. Um, we'd love for players that are playing rugby union to come and try rugby league, um, and the seasons don't clash, so there's nothing stopping a player doing union in the winter and coming and playing league in the summer. Um, that's what a lot of players do down in England. Um, so yeah, kind of that 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 would be a, a great to see um, players coming and trying the sport, um, and then having that opportunity as well to potentially go to a World Cup um, in the future and European Championships. Um, other nations do do that; they they play internationally at Union and internationally at Rugby League. Um, so it's kind of it's done before. So there's nothing stopping players within Scotland doing that as well. Um, so yeah, that's got to be a, a, an aim is for the player to entice players that are living in Scotland to to play rugby league. Um, but yeah, having said that, we wouldn't stop people in the the north of England or anywhere putting their hand up for for selection. Um, yeah, it was. We'll just see what happens, I suppose. Yeah, um, and I mean, obviously, that with the with the women's team won't be involved in next year's. 2021 World Cup but we actually have the wheelchair team and the men's team both both involved um and those with those tournaments being at the same time for the first time I mean from a the logistics standpoint organizing for a, a tournament is difficult when it's a volu- voluntary organization as you mentioned before but I mean how, how are things looking sort of from an organizational standpoint for having two two teams at the at the same tournament at the same time um it's definitely going to be an exciting challenge yeah like you say it's kind of it's the first time that the wheelchair and the women's world cups are going to be held at the same time as the men's um so yeah that's definitely exciting um and the wheelchair team obviously they they've qualified they're going to be based in sheffield 
the men's team is going to be based in Newcastle. So it, so it's not as if they're even in the same city. Um, so it's going to be, but we're planning two separate tournaments that are running at the same time. Um, but there's no difference with planning for the men's team or the wheelchair team. It's all exactly the same. You need your staff, background management team. You need your players. They all need to do the same things. You need your kit. So a lot of it we'll be able to do at the same time. So when we're ordering the men's kit, we'll order the wheelchair kit. Kind of, it goes in together. Um, so little things like that will be will be fine. Uh, it does mean we have to have two meetings instead of one because you have a, a meeting to discuss the men's side of things and then a meeting for the wheelchair. Um, but it's it's really exciting. Uh, the management team we've got for the wheelchair um, it's changed from last year. Uh, Peter Lois, our head coach, has decided to step back from coaching. He's now the team manager. Um, and so we've got um, new head coaches. So the, we've actually got joint head coaches. Um, we've got Mark and Jim, um, and they've come in, set 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 their, their plans out to the, to the squad. Um, they've got our um, squad WhatsApp group, and it doesn't stop beeping. Um, everyone's just buying into everything that uh, Mark and Jim are doing, um, and it's great to see. Um, and I'm really excited to see where they take themselves um, at the World Cup. Um, it's really exciting, obviously, being based in Sheffield. Um, that on its own will be will be good. The, the city there is fantastic. Um, they're, they're playing at the EIS, um, so yeah, kind of that that facility on its own is is an international world class facility. Um, so can it, it's exciting for the for the players to go and play at the World Cup, um, and also it's going to be a good challenge for the backroom staff as well to make sure they're they're they bring their game to it as well. Hmm. I mean, on on the pitch of the the wheelchair team sort of set set any goals about what they want to do and sort of in in the fixtures they've got. I mean, who who are they who are they playing and are they you know hoping for specific results or just going and enjoying it? I suppose. Um, I, I think when you whenever you go to a a World Cup, you've you've got your targets and, and your goals. Um, so it it's going to be in tough. Um, they're a third seed in their group. Um, so they've got France, Wales, and the USA. Um, so you, the top two teams go through um, to the semi-finals. So it's it, it's going to be a, a a tough a tough tournament, but never never write off a Scotland team um, at any at any um, level. Um, just kind of once you get on the court, anything can happen. Um, so we'll be going into into the the games with. France and Wales as the underdogs because they're they're ranked above us in the world rankings. Um, but I, I'm excited to see what happens um, and see we we could get get a couple of results in our favour and we'll be in the semi-finals. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, kind of. I've I've not we've we've not sat down and put targets yet on for any of the teams for next year of kind of where we want them to be. Um, but kind of. Just going out there representing Scotland, kind of getting everything organised and prepared. I think that that's what we're co- um, concentrating on the minute. Um, and then, kind of the management team for the wheelchair, they'll they'll sit down and they, I think they've already started setting their goals for the next eighteen months. Um, and I'm sure that semi final is in the back of their minds that that's that's a target they 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 want. Um, so yeah, kind of 
well, I'm sure we'll, more will come out as we get closer to the tournament, kind of as the excitement starts to build, we'll, we'll, we'll hear more about kind of what, what we're aiming to do and what we're aiming to achieve. And more, more generally, um, how important do you think it is that of those three tournaments, the men's, women's and wheelchairs are sort of all happening at the same time for, I guess, the, the growth of the sport? Oh, it, it's unbelievable um, across all, all three disciplines because um, all the games are going to be televised. Um, so it's just going to kind of, for that month and a half period or two months, it's all the media it's going to be talking about is rugby league. Um, it's going to be talking about the men's game, the women's game, the wheelchair. So it's going to, it's, it's definitely going to put, put the sport in the spotlight, um, which is amazing. And I, I think I, don't know if this is true, but I, I believe it will be the first time that in any international sport that men's, women's wheelchair will all be staged at the same time. Normally, you'll have the men's World Cup at one point, the women's at another point. Um, so I think it's really exciting to to see all three sports at the same time. Um, and yeah, it's going to be an unmissable period for rugby league and kind of I'm really excited to be involved. Yeah, absolutely. And how's the preparation for the senior team going? Um, yeah, no, it's kind of, everything's kind of starting to t- take shape. Um, obviously, um, we're meant to have the European Championships um, in the autumn. Uh, we've not heard what's happening there. Uh, we're assuming they're not going ahead, but we've not officially been told that they, they're not happening yet. Um, so that'll, that'll be a, a blow if, if that tournament doesn't happen, um, because obviously we'd, we've got players that are still fighting to to put their name on on that squad list for the for the World Cup, um, so yeah, kind of we're going to have to look at different ways of seeing the players and seeing how how they'll fit into the into the team and that sort of thing. Um, but on on the back of the World Cup qualifiers last year, it was um, kind of it's definitely put us up and in, in the right kind of mind frame of what what we need to do with two really good matches against Serbia and Greece and and kind of a lot of players kind of stood up and kind of put their hands up for selection for next year. Um, it was great to see the, the players coming in to make their debuts and making a difference to the team. Um, and then see, seeing the domestic players kind of coming in and holding their own and kind of sh- sh- showing what they can do, which again, will, will put them in the shop window for Nathan. Um, obviously, no one's been selected yet. No one's been deselected. Um, the, the, the sheet is empty, so to speak. Um, and everyone's got their opportunity to stake their claim in, in the squad for next year which is really exciting and kind of it's it who knows what the squad's going to look like um come, come next year kind of that's all, all all to be looked at um but yeah the squad from last year they they definitely they've all definitely put their hands up to for possible selection so it's it's an exciting time for for the players for sure yeah it's it's, it's a much better position to be in having you know a, a difficult decisions rather than in a way a team that just sort of picks itself and, and looking at sort of the opposition that that Scotland have been drawn against it's quite a tough group with Australia Italy and Fiji and I mean how how much have you started looking at the oppositions for for those games and I mean are the, are the squad sort of looking forward to having quite challenging matches oh yeah definitely um any opportunity you get to play against Australia, um, you, you kind of jump at because obviously they 
for a long time have been the best team, the number one ranked team in the world. Um, so just to be able to to put yourselves up against um, a, a team like Australia is just a, an unbelievable experience. Um, if 2016 is anything to go by, it's gonna it's gonna be a a, a, gr- a great game for us, um, and the players will will relish that opportunity of running out against Australia. Um, Fiji, obviously, they're always going to be a strong team. The Pacific Islanders, they all, they always know how to play um, some some strong strong rugby league, um, <clears throat> and yeah, kind of a, the majority of their players will be coming from the NRL. I would have thought so. Kind of they're gonna they'll be a a, a handy team, um, and then Italy again. Um, we played we played them in twenty thirteen, um, and that a game was a. A, a cracking cracking match back back in 2013 it, we drew 30 all um and kind of they they, they could be, they'll be another strong team they'll bring bring over some some heritage players i'm sure um <clears throat> but yeah kind of there's there's no easy game at that level um so kind of yeah nathan and and the coaching staff there they've already started looking at australia fiji italy and kind of doing their homework on the opposition and kind of seeing who they potentially might be picking in their squads. So yeah, kind of Nathan's not just worrying about picking his, his team for Scotland. He's also got to think about who we might be playing against as well. Um, so that, that keep, that's, we'll be keeping Nathan, Nathan and Scott busy, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and, and just sort of finally, um, going away from all of this talk about World Cup, what is it about rugby league that, grabbed you and has really made you put in as many hours as you have over the years you've been with Scotland? Um, I think originally it was the speed of the game. Um, obviously, the ball just stays in, in play for so much. I kind of Once the ball goes dead, it's restarted quickly. Um, and then, obviously, recently, I don't know what's happening um, in the international game or um, in the Super League yet, but obviously the NRL um, brought in the new six again rule, um, which has just made the game even faster. Um, and it's just the the balls just keeps going. The, the hits are massive. Um, that's one of my favourite parts of the game is the kickoff and just listening to that first tackle um, of the match. It's just kind of just feeling that crunch. It's great. Um, but yeah, kind of I think that's the main thing. It's just the speed and the the hardness of the, the tackles and that sort of thing um it's that's why I love watching it um and then I just stayed involved because of the experiences I've managed to get from being involved if that makes sense kind of going to world cups four nations commonwealths kind of obviously this this year's or 21 will be my third world cup um I would never have dreamed of being able to say that I'd have been to three world cups um ever um, so to be able to be on on the verge of kind of doing that is is amazing. Um, and yeah, kind of every every year is different. Um, we've never had a, a repeat year, if that makes sense. Kind of every, everything's different. Everything's developing um, and changing as as time goes by. So it's kind of I think that's why I stay involved. You just kind of it's just fun and everyone's there and to support each other and enjoy it really. Yeah. Uh, that's well. I, mean, I think that's definitely true for a lot of people. That's why you know, sort of getting to talk to a lot of people to do with the SRL, they're all 
they'll get sort of brought in by the sport and then stay because of the setup, really. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. Um, people just want to get involved um, volunteering with us. Uh, example is the under-19 team manager, Alex. Um, he was talking to us um, at games kind of all the way 2013 World Cup um, up until I think the last time I had a conversation with him was the Four Nations in uh, 2016 up at Workington. Um, and then not long after that, we got in touch with him and asked him if he wanted to get involved more so he'd stop bugging me really um but he said yes he wanted to um so we offered him the under 19 team manager role um and he's doing a fantastic job um and yeah kind of he wants to do more and put his hand up to do more so it's kind of once people get involved they realize kind of what the opportunities are there available to to, to volunteer um and the experience you get from it um so yeah kind of He's been involved since 2017. He's still going strong. So it's kind of, it's great to see uh, people wanting to get involved and um, work in the, the sport that so many people love. Yeah, that's that's really well put. And, you know, if people want to get involved, they can just drop an email to info at scotlandrl.com. And thank you for joining me today, Ollie. I think it's it's been really interesting to get an insight into sort of how behind the scenes works at the SRL. No, no problem. It's my pleasure. Um, it's always good to talk about rugby league. Um, and yeah, so no, thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. As Ollie mentioned there, we're all really looking forward to next year's World Cup. It'd be great to find some new Scotland rugby league fans in Sheffield and Newcastle. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And as always, stay safe and we'll see you next time. <laughs>